Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's night. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I am your host, Phil Iskove, and with us today is Carrie Whitmer, freelance culture writer and critic, to talk about Frasier, um, a show that, I mean, I, I've rewatched a handful of episodes. I've seen, obviously, I watched the show when it was on back in the day, um, but uh, rewatching them, it was it was so lovely to like watch a a sitcom at like the peak of the form if you understand sort of what I'm getting at. Like, it's just, yes, we have a lot of Chuck Lorre sitcoms that we've had over the last however many years, but it feels like, you know, the 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 multicam sitcom kind of had its, maybe its last big amazing moment was sort of must-see TV in the 90s. I'm not sure if you agree with that or not. Oh, a- absolutely, um, yeah. And also I think a lot of younger people just hate multicam and they hate laugh tracks, um, which is kind of sad, but it really did peak then. I don't think we'll ever get it back. Yeah, I feel like we've we've had a bunch of sort of experiments, sort of metatextual kind of, you know, postmodern attempts at doing the, the multicam. Um, but I wouldn't say that any of them were particularly successful. Yeah, th- there was Mulaney, which, what was that, like 2014 or 15? Yeah. Which Somebody it wasn't, that. like, it wasn't as bad as everyone like says it was like I feel like people thought his career could never bounce back it was so bad but it was just like kind of boring like it just it just didn't work like his comedy just didn't work in that context yeah it's 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 
It's a very interesting thing, and and we'll, 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 I, I want to dive into this specifically with Fraser because I do feel like, and I was talking to uh, a friend about this uh, the other day in terms of Fraser was sort of its own animal, right? Like it was it was a show that, and we'll talk about all the awards that it won, but it was really sort of the uh, the quote unquote high minded multi cam sitcom at that time, right? I mean you have friends and you have Seinfeld and obviously we're both enormously successful as well. But this show felt like it was sort of a little bit more quote unquote intellectual. If mm-hmm. that makes any, if that's Oh, absolutely. It was kind of like, I would compare it to maybe like in the late two thousands and like early 2010s, it was kind of like, like community was among the, that group of NBC sitcoms. It was like, there was the office parks and rec. And then there was yeah. community for the people who were like, you know, like high high thinkers or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I mean, I think part of it has to do with the fact that I mean, Fraser as a character is such a intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him and his brother are always talking about you know snooty things, which is why the the father is such a great foil to all of that. Um, you have to wonder, in fact how he had these children <laughs> and what the mother was like, but that's well, neither here nor there. So, so um, his mother is in, I, so I recently, one of my pandemic rewatches was cheers. I'm starting Frasier now. Um, like for like the fifth time watching all of it, his mom is in cheers and he says that his father is dead. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. But the mom like makes sense. Like the episode I was watching, it had been a while and I was like, Oh, like this mom like makes sense for Fraser and Niles. It's you know what's interesting is so I, I obviously I did a bunch of research on Fraser uh, before watching these episodes and obviously before before we did this episode and uh, so the writers or the creators of Fraser didn't know that he said his dad was dead on Cheer. Yeah. So they got pretty <laughs> far into the development process and then they were like, oh fuck. But then they unrang that bell later by saying that he lied to the people at Cheers yeah, I, about his dad being I, dead or something. I was trying to remember which episode he says it. I think it's an episode where Sam comes back or one of the characters from Cheers. It's not this. It's yeah, not yeah. the Woody episode. And like Sam's like, you told me you told us your dad was dead, and he's like, oh, it was easier than explaining like how different my dad is from me, which is like. Right. Honestly, also kind of made me think, I, we can talk about this later when we get more yeah. into the episode, but it made me think, like, I watched this show when I was a kid, and I'm like, did this show, like, condition me to just, like, lie about things instead of being honest? <laughs> it, <laughs> because I really I really think it did. Like, we can get more into that as we talk about. Yeah, the, the show episode. is, I mean, I, it, it's very funny that you say that, because I do think that one of the hallmarks of this show is people lying. Yeah. And, and it's lying for the joke well, and lying for the, the, the conceit of people being forced to admit their lies. But but it's like, it would be so much easier for your life if you just said how you like were honest and just spoke your truth, for lack of a mm-hmm. better phrase. It's well, that's, it's so funny. It is, it is. And it, it also speaks to sort of one of the kind of, I, I would, I would argue the, the DNA of this show is farce. You know what I mean, like it's very much Absolutely. in that mold of of those old style kind of farce comedies, um, which again is another reason why it's so lovely to watch it now, and why a show like this probably couldn't exist today. Yeah, I think we're too we're too jaded as a, and too cynical an audience. I, I mean, 
don't know if you agree. Oh, I, I agree too. I, and I was thinking about this when I was rewatching Cheers too, because like a lot of Frasier and Cheers are, they're very, they're almost, they're not overwhelmingly positive, but like they're, I don't know, like no matter how hard, like something one of the characters is going through, like they always end up triumphing by the end of the episode. And like, that just isn't realistic anymore. I don't know if it ever was, but like you could believe yeah. that it was realistic, like three decades ago. Um, I forget what the other point I was going to make was, but no, it's, it's you, you know what I mean? Um, and another, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that really surprise surprises me that uh, now that I've been rewatching Frasier is how great the writers were. And this is true for cheers as well as making jokes that aren't so specific to the time period that they don't make any sense. Like I understood them like when I was a kid, when I was watching it, I understood it when I rewatched Frasier when I was in my early twenties and like now they also like all these jokes like are so funny and they're universal. And it's like, even though I don't, I don't know. It's just so, it's just so crazy that they managed to make, this show makes sense even like 30 years later because they don't rely on like very specific pop culture references. Like it's just like mm-hmm. very universal things about being a human being. No, I it's, it's interesting. I I've, I've worked with writers in the past that, that have often said that they don't want pop culture references ever in their shows. Um, and, and, and it's for the reason I think you're talking about, which is that they get stale very quickly. They, they date badly. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are some shows that rise above that. I mean, Obviously, Friends is a show that people still love and still watch, um, and they make all sorts of pop culture references on that show. Um, <clears throat> it's it, it is interesting. There is sort of this <clears throat> through this podcast, we've been able to kind of um, obviously go backwards, watch a lot of movies, watch a lot of TV from that time. And what's interesting is how, to your point, the procedural kind of rounded off component of television back in the day, broadcast television specifically was so comforting, right? Which is that it you knew that at the end of every episode there was going to be some sort of a rounded off component. And any sort of serialized elements that might have existed in television back then were mostly character oriented. They were mostly soap oriented. So like a relationship and how long that relationship went on for or whatever, that was sort of the ongoing storylines. It wasn't really mythologically based. Yeah. That would change obviously. But it's interesting how, you know, how comforting that is. I mean, there's a reason why you're binging Cheers and Frasier and I have friends that are binging, you know, Parks and Rec or whatever. It's like shows that feel just a little bit, you know, rounded off. Yeah. I've been having a really hard time this whole, these past nine months, like watching anything dramatic or anything new. So like the only like dramas I've been watching are like, are shows like Mad Men that I've already watched, like, multiple times so they're familiar to me um so i i, I don't know i'm just i'm just so glad i started re-watching all <laughs> fraser and cheers it, it makes me so happy um uh, another thing is that i don't have an issue with pop culture references the way other people do i i think a lot of like tv writers have an like really struggle with it but i think mm-hmm. the ones that fraser chooses are very timeless things because they're the kind of things that like Frasier is into himself. And I feel like he has like kind of pretentious tastes. Like he's probably like, he would probably love Mank if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> he, would, he would love Mank. Yeah. yeah. So like he's yeah. that guy. So, so this, even the, some of the references in the Woody episode that we're going to talk about are mm-hmm. just like, 
like all the songs he lists that they do at karaoke are songs that even like kids today probably know. Um, and so I, I don't know if they put a lot of thought into that, but it feels like they did to make it as timeless as possible. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it watching this episode, which, which I liked and, and we should talk, we'll, we'll talk about like the pros and cons of, of this specific episode. Um, but I went back and I went online and sort of, you know, there are many lists of the best episodes yeah. of Frasier. So I rewatched a handful of those episodes. Um, and one in particular was the matchmaker episode. Oh yeah. Which is great. And, and actually holds up pretty well, even if the whole, like someone mistakes someone for being gay is a little bit of a nineties trope. Mm-hmm. Um, it still works and it's still quite funny. It is. That's um, a good episode. But it's, it is a good episode. Uh, the, the one that I always think of, the one that is sort of the Frasier episode for me is the radio play episode. Yeah. Which is just, it's, it's, it's brilliant because it's, it really weaponizes everything about the show and understands all of the characters and all the players. There's a specificity to all these characters, which is similar to Cheers too which is this idea of these very, very specifically drawn characters that you understand, even if you're just jumping into one episode, they just, you know, Norm and Cliff and Woody and these characters, they're just so perfectly drawn. It's, it's yeah, that, that's, one, that's one of the Frasier episodes I recommend to people who are trying to get into it, because I think, especially if you're trying to convince someone who's dubious about multicams, I think that's like, it's a clever enough episode and you understand it, even if you haven't seen any episodes before, that you can get actually get really into it. Totally. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give a little bit of context for Frasier, for perhaps our listeners who have <laughs> never seen an episode of Frasier. Uh, it was broadcast on NBC for 11 seasons. It premiered on September 16th, 1993, and it concluded on May 13th, 2004. Uh, the program was created by uh, David Angel, Peter Casey, David Lee. Uh, it was a spinoff of Cheers, obviously. Uh, which was a, sort of the continuing story of Fraser Crane as he returned to his hometown of Seattle <clears throat> and started to build a new life as a radio sort of uh, therapist, I guess, is that the best way to kind of put it, uh, while reconnecting with his father, brother, and what have you. Uh, the show was critically acclaimed, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with the show itself and cast winning 37 primetime oh Emmy Oh my awards. God! <laughs> It also won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Comedy Series for five consecutive years. Uh, The main cast remained unchanged for all 11 seasons. Uh, When the series concluded in 2004, uh, Kelsey Grammer had portrayed the character of Fraser Crane for a total of 20 years, including his nine seasons on Cheers, plus a one-time performance as as the character on Wings, uh, making it the... uh, Tied as a uh, longest portrayal of a character in primetime television. Uh, <laughs> the, he's, the record has since been surpassed but in animation, but whatever. Mm. Um, so basically what happened was in the development of the show, uh, during the eighth season of Cheers, uh, Kelsey Grammer made a deal with the former Cheers producers of Angel, Casey, and Lee, who were then moving on to produce a show called Wings, everyone's favorite show about a little airport. <laughs> I don't know why that was ever a show, but I, I get that people I, love it. But I anyway. love the idea of an airport uh, show. I'm and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they decided that they would uh, start a new series together. Uh, what's super weird is that Kelsey Kramer didn't want to originally do a spinoff of Fraser Crane. So they came up with a new show where he would play a wealthy Malcolm Forbes-like paraplegic publisher who operated his business from his apartment and the main show featured a quote-unquote street smart 
Hispanic live-in nurse who would clash with the main character. Now, we're all thankful that that doesn't exist. Oh my God. <laughs> that was almost the show we got. This is the first time I'm hearing about this. And I feel like <laughs> I'm really disappointed in myself because I feel like I do enough like weird Wikipedia reading, like sure. instead of sleeping, especially mm-hmm. during the pandemic. I'm really upset mm-hmm. that this is the first time I'm hearing about it. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's one of those premises that you're like, I, I actually understand the desire to want to pivot away from Fraser. Yeah. Point, right. Like I, I, I do get it. Um, and this premise kind of screams like a 90 sitcom premise in its own sort of mm-hmm. bizarro way. Um, but my God, uh, I think we're all thankful that we don't have that. Yeah. I, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's uh, but, uh, but I'm really glad that along the way somebody said this is a bad idea. <laughs> well, what's so apparently what happened was they pitched it to the the studio. They pitched it to Paramount Television <clears throat> at the time, and they were like, "We don't we don't like this. Can you please just do a spinoff of Frasier?" <laughs> Which I mean, it, good for them because I feel like a lot of times in the industry when there's like people who are that successful, they'll just say yes to whatever they see. So mm-hmm. I'm glad people were mm-hmm. saying no back then. It's also interesting, you know, this is also a, a relic of a of certainly a broadcast, but of a time gone by as well. We don't do spin-offs really anymore. Um mm-hmm. I mean it's 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 it kind of it makes sense back in the day when we were making things that were quantity perhaps over quality, and that it was about syndication and it was about making as many episodes as you possibly could. Um that's the only explanation I can have for why Joey was made. Yeah, I <laughs> I also think it was, I think that then, I think before there was so much TV, actors were also seeking reliable work. Like they just wanted to know that they had a job. Um, like once you have a job, you just kind of, like, I feel like a lot of actors are like love, who are on TV, love TV because it's like, I have this job for several years. Um, right. So I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why they did it. And I think, honestly, I, I've watched a lot of like shows from the early 2000s and 90s over the past few months. And <laughs> my favorite episodes to watch are like old backdoor pilots. Oh, yeah. I think that people just really liked to, to have the idea of a backdoor pilot. It seemed it, it just I'm like these writers just fucking loved writing this stupid backdoor pilot. Like I was rewatching Gossip Girl for some reason. I was torturing myself. Um, and their backdoor pilot, they just like went totally hard on. But it's like it's awful. Like you guys loved writing this so much. <laughs> there, there is an element of um, the backdoor pilot. For those who don't know what that is, uh, is essentially when. <clears throat> Within the series, they will have an episode that could launch another show. So, you know, the the network says, we want such and such character to have their own show. And then you have an episode that focuses on that character and gives them a story engine that could potentially um, move forward. Um, But to your point, it's funny how many of them don't go and how Mm -hmm. many of them don't turn into series. So it really just feels like this, you know, sore thumb that sticks out of a season of television. Just like, why is this here? Um, one of the things that I do love about the development of Frasier is that they agreed to do the spinoff, obviously, but they specifically set it as far away from Boston as they could <laughs> so that they wouldn't be forced into bringing cast members from Cheers onto the show all the time, which, let's be clear, they still did it a fair amount. <laughs> like, it wasn't like yeah. they didn't, and we're about to talk about one. Um, but 
I think that that's I think that's smart of them to be like we're going to silo this show off a little bit and we're going to you know when we decide to bring a character back it's going to be with good reason. Yeah, I so. yeah I, I I think that they they do a, do a pretty good job at not integrating Cheers too much with the, with the exception mm-hmm. of Lilith, which the show they probably wouldn't have been able to sell the show if they couldn't have BB Newworth in it the as best. much as she is. Yeah, uh, absolute best. Like honestly, probably why, why I, uh, they sold the show. They were like, "Oh, is B is BB gonna play Lilith?" And they said yes, and they're like, "Okay, we'll pick it up." Okay, we'll do, we'll do it. It's I, I have to say, she's like, she's the best, and also she like her. Uh, what did I just see her? And she just popped up in something that I was watching the other day. Oh my god, the what, flight attendant. That's it. Yes, that's she's, she's in the flight she's attendant. The flight attendant, uh, and she's great. Uh, and then I actually weirdly, for no good reason, I had never seen. Um, how to lose a guy in 10 days. So I watched that and she's in that, uh, but she's also got a, a oh she's got a great Twitter presence. Sure too. Like, I love her. She's the best. I, I mean, I, I, but um, yeah. I, I have to say that when she shows up on Frasier, it's one of the best episodes of the show. Um, it's, it's the best. Uh, her, yeah. her interactions with Martin are just, ugh, they're just, they're fantastic. Um, so uh, I'll, let's let's dive into this episode. We're 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 talking today about uh, the episode, the one where Woody shows up. Is the title of the episode? Um, it essentially Woody comes to town just on vacation. Uh, sort of, his cousins are having a wedding. <laughs> yes, it's very important. Cousins is probably is one of my very favorite. important lines in the episode um so he's in town for a wedding uh and the long and short of it is basically they fraser and him hang out too much (laughs) it's the long and short of it which is they kind of get sick of each other is sort of the 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 general sense of the of the episode um and it's about being honest with your friends about when you've overstayed your welcome essentially um yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to kind of – so it aired on February 4th, 1999. It was written by Rob Greenberg, directed by Pam Fryman. Um, a, a, she's done a million episodes of, of uh, uh, sitcom television. Um, this – so I, yeah. I kind of want to talk – let's just take a second here to talk about Woody Harrelson. Because please, we're catching yeah. Woody Harrelson because I, I pulled up his uh, his his Wikipedia because we're catching him at a very interesting time in his career. Because first of all, he's had a fascinating career in and of itself. He's it's, it's incredible. He is he like the only television actor to successfully become a movie star? Well, I mean George Clooney. <laughs> George Clooney. Well, I mean, I, I I feel like, but I feel like George Clooney wasn't really George Clooney until he was a movie star. I think. Well, ER you know was a I pretty mean? big deal. Yeah, it was. It was big. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I, mean, but, no, no, um, I, 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 but to your point, just to be clear, and yeah. I think this is kind of what you're getting at, is George Clooney on ER, and then George Clooney's film career is an extension of that persona. Woody yes. Harrelson on cheers is not an extent his movie career is drastically dissimilar to that it's really difficult to convince people that i am not lying when i say that woody harrelson started his career on cheers like and when i describe the character like i i i I swear to god people do not believe me sorry my dad just hey um yeah it's 
Yeah. Probably because he disagrees <laughs> with me that Woody Harrelson. He's calling you years. a liar. Is basically what he's doing. Yeah. 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 So I mean, just for for a little bit of context, Woody Harrelson shows up on Cheers in '85. Um, he's on Cheers until '93, um, but he does a couple movies before Cheers ends. Um, his character's name, just for what it's worth, on Cheers is Woodrow Huckleberry Tiberius Boyd. Which <laughs> <laughs> is tremendous. It's amazing. Yes. Um, he does do uh, White Man Can't Jump in 92 and Indecent Proposal in 93. So both of those happen right near the end of Cheers. I I rewatched Indecent Proposal right after I finished my Cheers rewatch. It was it was riveting. It's actually it's pretty good. It's, I, so yeah, okay. Let's. Say, I, I want to talk about this for a second. I know this is off topic, but I don't, okay. I don't really care. Sorry. No, don't apologize. This is the the, the way our podcast goes. Um, Indecent proposal for those who haven't seen it is about Woody Harrelson's married to Demi Moore, and they go to a casino one night. They go to Vegas. Yes, they go to Vegas. Yeah, and they meet Robert Redford, who's rich and hot. How and why is is and and, and, and hot. so that's a question I have. Yeah. For you. Is he still hot at this point? Hot enough that it doesn't seem weird. So is Robert Redford now hot right. enough? In- no, 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 no. In 93. Oh, when any, he made any proposal. year. Yeah. I mean, I I think <laughs> I don't. The, the thing that frustrated me, I was like, I'm enjoying this movie, but this is a pretty reasonable situation. I was like, this isn't even that dramatic. So just so people understand, the con- the conceit of it that Carrie believes is reasonable is that <laughs> Robert Redford offers to be more a million dollars for one night with her. And Demi and Woody are, are, I guess, not doing that well, although Woody is an architect. So it's not like he's not to keep the money. So she takes the money and they have a night together. And as you can imagine, it creates friction in their marriage outside after that. Yeah, it's like it's a it's almost similar to like how Frasier works in that their relationship isn't working anymore because they won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. If they just said if Woody was just like, you know, it makes now that it, now that it happened, it makes me uneasy that you did this um, and I don't trust you anymore. And if Demi said, I feel like you don't trust me and that makes me uncomfortable. It no would movie. have been fine, but no, no movie. But like they, they did it to themselves because they held it in instead of having a conversation, which is exactly what happens on Frasier. Except indecent proposal is not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. Uh, yeah. It's it's so it's also directed by Adrian Lyne of Fatal Attraction mm-hmm. fame. Uh, so it's also a very sexy movie uh, in, in the sense of people, you know, having sex <laughs> literally. In the money on the yes. bed that Robert Redford has given them. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's amazing. It, it's it's amazing. It, it's amazing, and they don't make shit like that anymore. They it's don't. So sad. They, really, they really don't. They, they uh, do not yeah. let the most popular actors fuck on a bed of money anymore, <laughs> and it's devastating. Really it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, so, so at this point in in Woody's career, he's done Indecent Proposal. Cheers has just ended. He does uh, he does three movies in 1994. Uh, one of which I've ever heard called I'll Do Anything. Um, but then he does Cowboy Way, which is a pretty shitty comedy with uh, I think it's okay. Kiefer Sutherland where they play cowboys. It's not very good. Never but he seen does. It. But he does Natural Born Killers, which is 
a huge moment for Woody Harrelson in the sense that um, he really shows his range. Like he really shows like, I, I, I am not just Woody Boyd from Cheers. Um, I like Natural Born Killers. I understand that people have their issues with it. I don't know if you've seen it recently or ever I, seen it for that matter. But. It was one of the first DVDs I rented from Netflix. Um, <laughs> and I haven't seen it since. I was like 17. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it's 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 a it's a complicated movie. I would say it's it's got its issues. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna ride for. I mean, Oliver Stone is Oliver Stone, but um, it, it's an interesting movie. And, and more than anything, it breaks the mold of what people think Woody Harrelson's capable of. Then he uh, he actually does the voice of Woody Boyd on The Simpsons in '94, which is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, he makes a movie called Money Train with uh, with Wesley Snipes reuniting mm-hmm. with him after. Uh, uh, white man can't jump. Uh, then he does in '96. He does Kingpin and the People versus Larry Flint, which that's is a, amazing. Yeah, that's a good year. That's that is if 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 that doesn't really show you what Woody Harrelson is capable of as an actor, where he can play a down and out bowler in a Fairly Brothers movie and also play Larry Flint in a Milos Forman film, pretty incredible. Um, but then it's kind of like a bunch of weird stuff, little roles in things here and there, but he doesn't really play a lead in anything until Ed TV, which is also in 99, which I actually quite like. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where we are in 99. So he appears as Woody Boyd again on Frasier. He does Ed TV. He does a movie called Play It to the Bone, which isn't very good, also in 99. Um, and and then it's just kind of like, it's just, it's the Woody Harrelson we've come to know, which is he pops up in things, in, in stuff that, that he's great in. Um, but he's also just kind of Woody Harrelson. Like, yeah. you know, he's, he's in Zombieland. He's in 2012. He's in uh, Now Games. You See Me. He's in The Hunger Games. Like, he's like he's just, and True Detective. Like, he's just Woody Harrelson and he's perennial in that way. But yeah, it, it's a really interesting career. Um, what are your thoughts on Woody Harrelson? Are you a fan of Woody Harrelson? Yeah, I... I think I almost became more of a fan of Woody Harrelson when I rewatched Cheers when I, I guess like I had seen episodes of Cheers before as a kid because my parents watched it um, and like reruns, but I didn't really sit down and watch it and Mm -hmm. kind of make myself understand the cultural significance and who all the actors were until I was like 22. Um, And I was like, Oh, Woody Harrelson is amazing if he could do this and then do all this other stuff because i think at that time like the i think at least the first hunger games had come out mm-hmm. um and i loved him in that like to me the haymitch character is who woody harrelson is 100 percent, yeah um he, i i alcoholism aside um like I, I i think like that's just kind of his essence to me um and I then started watching more things in with him in it or just realized that some of the movies I had seen that he's in, he's really good in, but I didn't really think about it before. Um, So I'm not like a diehard Woody Harrelson stan, but I think he's great and I love it when he is in something. I I think he's, I think he's tremendous. You know, I, so cheers so I have, I have two questions for you. One's more of a statement than, and then a question. I, so I watched Cheers as a kid um, in the sense that it was on, but it was definitely the Woody years and not the coach years. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, so Cheers starts in, I don't know, 83. I'm only three at that point. So, you know, it's it's around sort of the, the early 90s, near the end of its run, that I'm watching Cheers. But okay. I remember him and thinking that he was great. Um, but it's it's ultimately his feature career that really kind of makes him prominent in my life. The question I have for you is this. Diane or Rebecca? Diane. Uh so there is the, I, I try, and I swear that I say this out of. Yes. Cruciality madness. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm viewing it like objectively and like without consider considering the characters and not the actors. Um, I'd say Diane, I, I, pref- I love Diane. I think she's a great character, but I hate Diane and Sam together. I like it. I, I hate them as a couple. They're horrible. Stop. I hate them. <laughs> All the episodes of the season where they, oh my gosh, it was such a slog. I, I love the show so much. I'm not like criticizing the show by any means, but watching the season where they're like dating is awful. I'm like, this is a toxic relationship. This is bad. Like Carla is right. Like Diane, <laughs> Diane is a great character, but she is a toxic person. Like she's horrible, even though I love her. Um, so that's my take. Re- Rebecca, I, I really like Rebecca the character, but it's hard because of who Kirstie Alley has become. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I did a bit of a rewatch of cheers as well. Early pandemic when I was also needing something that just felt good. Um, and I started at the beginning and was really kind of blown away by, um, how good the show was from the jump. Like mm. it was, it, it really had no latency. It just understood itself. Now it wasn't a hit for a couple seasons, if I'm not mistaken, but it knew yeah. what it was and it was very, very good and very funny. Um, I have more of an affinity for Rebecca because that's the cheers that I know or when I was growing up with. Um, now I would also argue too that Sam and Rebecca are more of a fun couple than yes. Diane and Yes, so I'm I prefer Diane as a character, but I also think it was almost a relief when she leaves because like it kind of gives the other characters more of an opportunity to have like storylines and stuff because it's not so focused on the will they won't they. Um and she can be pretty insufferable intentionally. Like she's intentionally annoying. So it's nice to have this whole new female character who's almost the polar opposite. Um, to challenge Sam, like I, I, I do really like Rebecca, and and I prefer Rebecca and Sam together. But I, I, I prefer Diane. If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll also say this too. Um, as a writer, I mean, having been on shows, it's interesting to think like your second lead leaving a television show is a body blow to a television show. Like the idea of of finding a mm-hmm. way to survive something like that and not just survive it, but thrive on the other side of it is really a testament to how brilliant these writers are. Because first of all, they bring in someone who's, the exact, as you said, the exact opposite of Diane in every way, and they make her Sam's boss. So it, it the dynamics are completely different. Sam is now subservient and, and has to sort of, it's just... It's just very, very smart that they – it gives the show a whole new life. I mean, I think that without the casting of Kirstie Alley and without the writing of Rebecca Howe being top-notch, 
that show probably limps for a season or two and dies. But yeah, if if Diane stayed, I think people honestly would have gotten yes. as frustrated with Sam and Diane as I clearly am, um, <laughs> and they would have uh, like I and I think they would have stopped. They would have lost interest. Um, I guess you could argue that Friends did the same thing for so long, but I think that the Ross and Rachel dynamic is a little bit different. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I've, I've read lots of articles on Friends as well, and the writers have often said that if the Monica and Chandler thing didn't work, they would have been toast mm. because that was sort of that gave them another lane, yeah. essentially to go down. Um, so and this this actually brings up an interesting question uh, to you because I have not seen the entirety of Frasier. I know that okay. you have on. Yeah. Um, Frasier's girlfriends? <laughs> Did he have long-term relationships? Did any uh, Outside of the Laura Linney one, which is what ends the series. Yeah. Um, not, not really. Like, I, I, I would almost compare it to Seinfeld. Okay. Not a girlfriend of the week, but but he. I feel like at least my memory of the show. I, I'm not. I'm not deep enough in my rewatch that it's super fresh. Like I haven't okay. got, and I haven't watched the later seasons as much I, as I have watched like seasons one through four. Um, so I'm probably not the best expert on this. But my memory of it is that there no. Um, it's more like a maybe guest stars in a few episodes. But I don't think he ever has like a long-term girlfriend. And I think he's probably single for the majority of the show. That's my recollection as well. But I just wanted to I, – I, I, I had a similar – he was sort of – he wasn't a ladies' man particularly. But mm-hmm. similar to Jerry, he kind of always had a girl friend. Or a, if they needed him to have a date or they needed a foil or they needed a punchline, there was a girl that could fill that, that yeah. role. Yeah. Um, that that's sort of how. Now, here's another question for you: As a woman, <laughs> Fraser Crane, an attractive man, a man that you would want to date. I'm glad you brought this up because I was just going to say about his girlfriends. The thing I do remember about them is that all of them are really, really, really hot. Um, <laughs> And I think most of the actresses who played them probably several to a lot of years younger than Kelsey Grammer. But I do have to say, maybe not Kelsey Grammer or Fraser Crane in the 90s, but his early seasons on Cheers, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Like, I get it. Like, I I think it's more Fraser just is appealing in this weird way because he because of his personality like his personality is actually very annoying but it's like oh he like sits down and listens to like classical music that's hot like it, it, it's that kind of thing okay in the same, same way for niles but niles to me is more attractive because he's like erratic and anxious and i just uh-huh. like find those things attractive for some reason um sure. so i i wouldn't say i'm the average person saying yeah i date or bang Frasier. Um, I don't know, but I think it makes, I think the women in the show who date him, I, th- I think it makes sense in the context. And he's kind of a celebrity. Like everyone's like, Oh, like you're Frasier from the radio, which doesn't ever feel super dated, even though that's kind of like a dated concept. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it makes sense. Well, so here's, here's, here's a question. 
If you had to choose between Fraser Crane or Jerry Seinfeld. Fraser. Okay. <laughs> wow. Didn't yeah. have to think about it. Okay. Jerry, I think, is an uh, Jerry Seinfeld, the character. Yes. Awful. He would be so <laughs> like he's all he does with the women he dates is like talk shit about them to his shitty friends. Like I don't want that. I I would if if Jerry came up and talked to me at a bar in like 1996, I'd be like, get, don't ever talk to me. Go away. <laughs> okay. But I could listen to Fraser talk for like five hours. So the 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 will they won't they the love story quote unquote of the run of Fraser is the Niles and Daphne situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Niles is married <laughs> to a woman we never see named Maris, um, but is head over heels in love with Daphne, who is oblivious to all of this for mm-hmm. seven seasons, I believe. I think it's something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> or is it the end of season six? I, it might be the end. It's, it's murky. Sure. Yeah. Um, until she finally is about to get married and he, a la the graduate, essentially runs and destroys the wedding and they run off together. Um, which is when I think I tapped out of the show. So I don't even really know what the seasons post them being together are like. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, like, when they get together, it kind of proves our theory about Cheers that it wouldn't have been as successful if uh, Shelley Long hadn't left. Because it, it, it there are some amazing episodes in the final seasons of Frasier. And there's, oh, like, even a mediocre episode or bad episode of Frasier has some, like, incredible jokes. And I just, like, scream laughing. Or it has, like, a good character arc, you know. Um, but the later seasons are it kind of all blend together and it just kind of f- didn't fall off the map, but it, it, the quality just wasn't as good anymore because like the Niles and Daphne thing as problematic as it could be at times was, is one of the best parts of the show. Yeah. They, they definitely walk a fine line in terms of how um, creepy Niles is sometimes. Um, yeah. Uh, in particular, I watched, um, is it in the Woody episode with the wine? Yeah. Yes. That's, that's (laughs) the Woody episode. Yeah. Um, that's weird. We'll talk about that when we get to it. But, but I think that this is also a testament to what you're saying, which is, um, Sam and Diane are your number one and two on your call sheet. Niles and Daphne are your three and four on your call sheet. So you can get away with them getting together and still run for, I guess they go for like four more years or something like that because it's not the main focus of the show. If, if your cat and mouse or your will, they won't, they are, are the two main characters and those two get together. I mean, it's very hard to sustain that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, some shows are successful at doing it. I mean, friends is a, a great example, right? They get together, they're together for a bit, but I, you know, people forget how long Rachel and Ross were not together. I mean, it's yeah. most of the show. So there is something to be said for that. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting, to your point about all of Fraser's girlfriends being super hot, I appreciate that he ends up with Laura Linney, which feels like the perfect person for him to end up with. It, 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 it really does. And, I, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's crazy that they even got her to do that. Like, yeah, I, I, I guess I, it's just, I guess it's just, like, I don't know, it's just... I can't understand a time when so a movie star as big as Laura Linney, especially as she was at that time, would be like, yeah, I'll be on the final season of Frasier. 
Like, it's just, like, of a sitcom, like, on NBC. Like, that just doesn't happen anymore. I guess it's just because we're so far from, like, network television at this point um, being the, like, interesting TV. It's just just a concept that I can't really process. And every time I rewatch those episodes, it just blows my mind that they got her. Like, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's a testament, I think, to the, to Frasier, right? And, and, yeah. and where in the annals of television, the, the esteem that people had for that show, obviously winning all those Emmy Awards, all that sort of stuff. Um, I imagine that Laura Linney had to be thinking like, I can be the thing that wraps up the show. Like I could be the thing that, that, that they end Frasier's character with. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of a, a lovely thing. Yeah. And anyway, I, I think I think that's one of the so, things um, about. Yeah, sure. Oh, sorry. It's one of the things about the final um, seasons that actually works really well. Anyway. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so, in this particular episode, uh, the episode opens with um, Beverly D'Angelo is the caller of the week this week. This is another thing that that Frazier did that I kind of love and is so lo-fi, which is they would have these cameos every week of famous people calling in, not as themselves, obviously as, as callers or what have you. Um, and like, you didn't know who they were. And then at the very end in the credits, you could maybe figure out who the caller was or they would, you know, whatever. But like, that's such a nineties lo-fi thing to like an audio cameo. It's just yeah. Funny. And it's, it's so funny that like, if you're like looking down, like at the end of the episode, you could just like miss the credit. And in the nineties, like, was there really a way to figure out if you didn't have a computer? It's like with the internet, it's like, I'll never know. Was that actually David Duchovny? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's great. Uh, so Beverly D'Angelo calls in, and then um, and then Woody calls in. But before we get to Woody, there's this bit with Roz, who I guess in a previous episode had gone out on a date with this guy, Noel, who works at the yeah. office, which is this kind of weirdo guy that she's clearly not interested in and is not taking the hint that they're just friends. Um, then Woody calls in. Uh, because he's lost at the airport. <laughs> is this is this Seattle airport big? Like, I guess it's bigger I, than. I don't know. I, I don't he, know. he calls. He calls <laughs> rather than just calling Frazier. He calls into the radio show to tell him that he's lost. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> my favorite bit of this of this sort of like classic woodiness is. Uh, Frazier says, I'm on the air and so are you. And then Woody says, No, I'm still bartending at Cheers. I wonder how these rumors get started. <laughs> it's it's such a God, it, it was it, it was such a clever way to establish for people who hadn't seen Cheers, like who Woody is. It's just it's just instantly you're just like, okay, I, I understand this human being. But then if you watch Cheers, you're like so psyched. Oh my gosh, so like great. Woody jokes are back. Yeah. It's also like Frazier follows it up by saying, I know this might sound surprising, but we're <laughs> this is we're catching up right where we finished, basically. Like <laughs> and their relationship is fantastic. I think that's um, probably my favorite line in the episode. So good. So there's something in this episode, and forgive me if I if I missed it, but Martin, uh Frazier's dad, we then cut to him and the Eddie runner, which is that he says that Eddie's looking weird. Because they took him to the groomers. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And it doesn't go anywhere. Does it go anywhere? Like crazy? No, I, I think it may be, I th- that's like one of the weird parts of the episode. And I, I guess now I'm just like, not really into jokes about old people losing it. Um, like, it's just not funny. I don't think it ever was, but I feel like people used to find it very funny, but I feel like they only had that bit so they could get like Eddie in the yeah. same room as Woody Harrelson, you know what I mean? And they, they just, they just yeah. needed a reason for Eddie Martin and Woody to interact. And it felt like that was like the best thing they could come up with, which is like, they could have done yeah. better, but they, I, I feel like they probably just were rushing to get as many people in the same room with Woody as possible. And that's just, yeah, it was a weird thing. I, I was expecting yeah. some sort of a callback to this and it, it never, it never really came, but um, Woody shows up at Fraser's apartment and is introduced to Daphne and, and, uh, and Niles and Martin. And he explains that he's in town for his cousin's wedding. Niles then asks, is your cousin, the bride or groom? Woody says both are. <laughs> Niles says, "Oh, they're kissing cousins." To which Woody says, "Oh, they're doing a lot more than that. That's why they had to get married." <laughs> so, I, I, I love this joke. I know that we're we as a society are trying to move past making jokes about how people in like the Midwest or the South like are cousins and they get married but this is a this is a good representation of those kinds of jokes because it's more about woody and like his i guess social network and family and not about where he's from like it's not like oh yeah they're from my cousin my west virginia cousins are getting like there's nothing specific enough that makes it super offensive i guess if that makes sense um so that's why i think the joke still works all these decades later yeah, and, and I would actually kind of, you know, the more I think about this episode, the, the, the bolder I actually think it is in terms of what it's saying, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the, the cultural and the class distinctions between Frasier and Woody. And I think that a lesser show might have just brought Woody in, cracked some Woody jokes, you know, easy 22 minutes and be done with it. But for them to actually kind of have something to say about these two people which is that essentially at this point, Frazier and Woody, there, there's a moment where uh, they come into the apartment and Frazier peels off to talk to his dad in the kitchen and says, I can't do it anymore. Like, 
I can't, I can't la- pretend as though I'm laughing at his jokes. We don't have anything in common. All we talk about is stuff from 10 years ago. And like, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty, you know, rich and complex way of coming at this relationship is I guess what I'm getting at. I think that they could have been cheaper about it and they weren't. And I respect that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They could have just made it. Let's get uh Frazier and Woody in, in as many scenes as possible, reminiscing about the old cheers days, but it was almost, it also almost felt like a meta commentary on the show being like, this isn't cheers and we're not trying to make it cheers, even though there's a character from cheers here. Um, which I appreciated. And it was the first time I watched the episode this morning and last night. I watched it twice. And I was just like, it made me kind of emotional because the first time I watched that episode or the last time I watched it was years ago when I was much younger and really naive and hadn't really like lived my life as an adult yet. And now I'm like, I actually understand what it's like to have a friend like this. Like it's, connecting like if you a friend from college you haven't seen for a while or something i'm just like we don't have anything in common the only thing we did have in common before was just that we were in the same place at the same time so i felt like they were both realizing we were really only friends because you worked at a bar that i went to yep yep which is absolutely yep. true for fraser and woody like even when cheers was on they had nothing in common except that Fra- they were usually at the same bar yeah, it's it's. I know exactly what you're saying, and it it, it happens. It's, it's happened to me on on many occasions as well. That idea of um, you go to drinks or dinner with an old friend, and you reminisce for a while, and then by the end of that, you're done. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. really only have like two hours worth of material or so before you're just like, okay, well, I guess it's we're gonna move on with our lives. Um, so I appreciate that they do that. They do get in some uh, obviously some great jokes. There's there's a, a moment where. Frazier and Woody are telling Martin about putting like a a marmot or something into Cliff Clavin's yeah mail a ferret, bag. A ferret. A ferret, yeah and, and and it scares obviously Cliff but Woody thinks that so Frazier says did you see the look on his face and Woody thinks that he's talking about the ferret and not Cliff. Like, it's just, it's, it's what's, what's so lovely about Woody and what I imagine is so much fun to write, why it was so much fun to write jokes for him and similar to coach too, prior to, um, unfortunately his, his death is, um, it's earnest. Like it's, it's heartfelt. It's not like, he's not, yes, he's dumb or, or, or not dumb, but uh, you know, misguided i guess or, yeah. or, or unaware of things but it's so earnest and heartfelt it's it's kind of lovely yeah i i think that it works so well because like you said like it's very earnest and it they're never making fun of him they're just yeah. like like it's just completely who he is and like they're making fun of him in a way but they're not like like they don't hate him i i, I think like a comparable character would probably be andy dwyer um yes who I mean Chris Pratt became famous because he was like this lovable idiot but I think that at many times on Parks and Rec it was more like they were mocking him um but Woody they're never making fun of because you can tell that they love him and these jokes like sound like they are so easy to write but they are probably the hardest jokes that they ever had to write he it's it's funny you you bring up Andy cuz I think that's a that's a good uh, a good comp um 
they both feel like golden retrievers. You know what yeah. I mean? They both just feel like um, they would lay down in traffic for you. Uh, they love you to death. They're wagging their tail and they're always happy to be there, even if they're a little bit dopey and they don't completely understand what's going on all the time. Yeah. Um, so at this point, uh, at this point, Frazier is trying to get someone to go to karaoke with Woody and him that night. He goes to Cafe Nervosa, sees Roz. She says she'll come along, but then Gil overhears and invites himself and Noel. And then Noel scares off Ross, leaving Frazier to go to karaoke with Woody, Gil and Noel. Three people he doesn't particularly want to be going to karaoke with. Um, it's a funny bit. I'm glad we didn't see it, really. Yeah, but. It, it, but it's also one of those bits where it doesn't really work if you hadn't seen another episode of Frasier. Like, you have to know those, like, side characters to understand how funny that that is and how painful of a situation it would be to have to go to karaoke with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still great. Like, it, I, I feel like Frasier did a great job as, like, at rewarding people who have seen every episode. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a good joke because it's better not seeing it. Right. Like you're thinking yeah. about, Oh God, how terrible this is going to be. And then, you know, later Frazier comes home and is telling them about, <laughs> about the songs that they're singing. Um, what's the, what is it? Uh, everything you could do, I could do better. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then and Frazier says they were both wrong, which is so funny. <laughs> But but that's what I was talking about earlier. Like these references to the songs, our song, like I feel like everybody knows that song. And then I think he said someone else saying, or one of them saying, I feel pretty. Like that's another song that people know, most people know. Um, So none of them were super alienating. Like, and you'd think Frasier would have some specific um, reference that no one would understand, but they managed to make it work. Yeah, they, they and and that's a prime example of like whatever the big hit song was in 1999. They could have very well had thrown that in there as a joke, and they didn't. Yeah. They um, they could have done. I guess it was early 99, so maybe not live in La Vida Loca, but something like that. But they could have done something like that for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, or like Mambo Number no. Five or whatever. Something, something, <laughs> something. Okay, something that. Mambo number five would still age pretty well. I have to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Woody comes over, tells Frazier that he has to go home because his daughter has an ear infection. Frazier's thrilled. Uh, he doesn't have to hang out with Woody again. Can, can I make a comment on this? Please. I was like, is an ear infection a bad enough thing that you have to fly all the way across the country when you just got there? Because I've had ear infections and you just take antibiotics and go to sleep. Yeah. And also, you know, uh, the mom's there. Yeah. (laughs) So so, the kid is like left alone. It's just, it's just so like, I know that they were coming up with something that wasn't so dramatic that Woody would be an asshole for lying about it. Correct. Correct. But the way that Frazier just was like, oh, of course, an ear infection, you have to fly back to Boston. I'm like, you don't, your son lives in Boston. (laughs) Yeah. Like you chose to live like, and you under you think that a dad has to be with their son for an ear infection. How many ear infections have you missed, Fraser Crane? Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that's all I have to say about that. No, it's it's complete. It, it, it's it's obviously a shitty excuse, which we quickly realized was an excuse. Um, Fraser goes to dinner with Niles and spots Woody at the bar um, by himself. Uh, 
Woody then proceeds to cover his face with a menu and run <laughs> to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah. It's great. Um, it's so, <laughs> so Frazier goes to the bathroom, knocks on the door. Woody pretends he's not in there, uh, comes out. Frazier says, why, why did you lie to me? And he says, I guess I didn't want you to know I was in the bathroom. <laughs> It's so good. It's it's so oh good. Um, and you know, and they 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 basically they admit to each other that they'd grown bored with each other, and over the course of these couple of days, and that they didn't have anything to say to each other. And what I love, and this comes back to sort of the class distinctions and the the difference between them, is that Woody thinks Fraser's life sucks. Yeah, he which, which is great. Yeah, he just doesn't have an under like Woody is so sheltered that he just doesn't even understand that like Frazier's apartment is amazing. I mean, it's very nineties, but it's an amazing apartment. Would love to live there. Um, and he doesn't seem to understand that Frazier has like a job. Um, I it, it like he he just doesn't understand. He just doesn't understand anything that's that doesn't happen to him. But it's so cute. There's also totally yes to all of that, but there's also something really there's something endearing again about Woody thinking that he has all these roommates. So to him, yeah. it's like, oh, he's got all these roommates, so he doesn't even he doesn't even have his own place. Uh, he doesn't really understand his job, obviously. Um, there's just there's something very sort of nice about the fact that Woody loves his life, and Fraser looks at Woody's life and thinks, well, that's not the life that I would want. And Woody looks at Fraser's life and says, that's not the life I would want. So in the end, like they have very different lives, but they love their lives. Yeah. And it's almost, it's a kind of also a cute little story about two people from very different classes, kind of learning to understand each other in a way. Fraser probably more so than Woody, just kind of being like, Woody is content with just being a bartender for the rest of his life. And that's okay, even though that's like I'm more ambitious than that. I mean, Woody also. I mean, Kelly's super rich, so Woody doesn't have to worry this, too much about things. I, I, I did, yeah, I, I did forget that, yeah. So there's that, but but, but that's either here or there. I mean, but even despite that, he's he probably doesn't even have to work, um, mm-hmm. but he chooses to be a bartender anyway. Speaking of Kelly, one of my favorite Woody moments is when he writes the song for Kelly. Oh my god! Yeah, Kelly, 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 Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> he could, God, it's it, like the more we talk about Woody, it's just it's just amazing what Woody Harrelson can do. Like I, I'm, I think I'm, I think like the more we talk on this podcast, I am becoming more of a Woody Harrelson stan. It's amazing. It yeah. really is. It's you know, it, it's and and it's basically the episode ends. Fraser and Woody decide they're gonna have one last beer together at the bar. Um, I guess Niles will just sit by himself for as long as that takes. <laughs> um, but uh, and they cheers and they say cheers and it's it's lovely. Like there's something really sweet about that moment. They look at each other. Um, it's like back being a cheers, whatever. Uh, it's really nice. And yeah. and and again, it shows. There's something in the look that Woody Harrelson gives Frazier in that moment when they cheers. There's a lot going on there. It, it's it feels like a, a moment. I mean, of recognition, not just of 
these characters, but also the depth of their relationship, the years of of working together, and that they get to kind of have this moment together again, and then Woody will disappear, and that's that. But yeah. it's it's really nice. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's really nice to see uh, adult relationship kind of end, but it not on bad terms. It's just like. We don't have any, we love the time we had together. We don't have anything in common anymore. And that's fine. If I see you again, that's great. But we're not going to go out of our way to be buddies anymore because our lives have changed and we're in different places and always kind of were. It's really, it's really nice to see that because I think that's something that you never really see. You only see things, especially in television and film, you only see friendships or relationships end very badly. Um, So, so it's nice to see something just so earnest and sweet and really really real something that I think happens to every adult for sure I I mean I don't and and forgive me I don't remember but I know Sam shows up Woody shows up Lilith shows up does Um, anyone else show up from here Cliff Norm and Diane I think yeah um I for, gosh, and now I'm I really I should really rewatch the Diane episode now because I completely I remember the Diane one when you said Diane, I was like that I remember. I didn't know that Norman Cliff showed up as well. Cliff Cliff I think comes, he's like in Seattle, you know, for like some kind of postal worker conference, I think. Sure. Something like that. Um I could be wrong. It's something like that. Um but I they oh I feel like most of them kind of have a similar sentiment in that when they come, Fraser's kind of annoyed with their presence. Um, not that he's, he doesn't like them, but he's just like, I have this completely different life. And it's weird when people from my old life are in my new one. Um, which I, I mean, I've had the same experience, I think not as dramatic, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> and if the people aren't as attractive as, uh, Ted Danson. Sure, 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 sure. Of course. But, you know, do you, so, you know, big picture, do you have a favorite Frasier episode? Do you have, a, you yes. know, a, I, I wrote it down uh, because I right. felt like you were going to ask me. So one, I have two um, chess pains, season three, the one where a Frasier is cheating at chess because Martin keeps beating him. Um, <laughs> I do remember this one. That, that, I feel like that's a classic. I think, I think a most, my favorite dynamic on Frasier is the family dynamic, the, father and son, Frasier, brother and brother. Um, those are my, the episodes that focus on them are my favorite. Um, and I also like Death Trap, which is a later season episode that's very good where they visit their childhood home and they find a skull and they like freak out and think it's like somebody died in their house, but then they realize that it's a skull from a production of Hamlet they were in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I haven't I haven't watched it in a while, but it's like when anyone asks me, that's one of my favorite episodes. And honestly, any episode with Lilith, I love the one where Fraser's on vacation and Lilith is staying with her new boyfriend in the villa right next to them. Um, that one's good. Any Lilith the, episode. When, when Lilith shows up, the first time that she shows up, uh, one of my favorite jokes in that episode <laughs> is that um, Frederick has to wear a like a bug net at summer camp like a basically yeah. like a hazmat suit and she says oh i hope that the kids <laughs> i hope that the kids don't make fun of him and martin says oh you know how kids are i'm sure they're being really nice all he needs is a birthmark on his forehead so they can beat him to death with a shuffle <laughs> martin martin maybe says like the most whack things out of anybody it's, it's yeah him. i mean it's 
what's great about these episodes and and it's why they're they're special episodes uh when these characters show up it's that it just the the history and also the foil to play off of everybody i mean lilith is just such a perfect foil the way that she can cut them all down so yeah. like she cuts niles down in like five seconds it's just it's 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 so good um yeah i you know i i think that it's it's just it's it's a really special show and i and i do get why um it won all the emmys i get why it was such a big hit um but i i think that you tapped into something earlier that i think is really important the family dynamic of the show is uh it's in the dna of the show and it comes back to in the development the creators were trying to find a they basically decided that they wanted him to be a, a radio therapist but then when they realized that they knew that the show couldn't be a workplace show because then it would feel too much like wkrp in cincinnati and they didn't want mm-hmm. another radio show so one of the creators at the time had his father living with him it was like what if we actually focus it more on his living like on his lifestyle and 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 the people in his home you bring the brother and you bring the father in uh and and his caretaker and daphne and all of a sudden the show it's just got so much more emotion in it and it's got so much more character in it. Right. I mean, if it was a radio show, then it's just, it becomes kind of inside baseball and it becomes about the making of a radio show. And you just, and they have that infused in the show. It's there whenever they need it. But, but to your, to your point, the heart and the character connections between these people is why I think the show has lasted and why it's still so wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. And they just, they, it was so smart of them to just put Fraser in his living situation because you never really see that with any character on Cheers. There's some episodes where they're at their home, like the, my favorite episode of Cheers, where Fraser and Lilith host Sam and Diane for dinner. Um, like, absolutely, one of the best episodes of television ever made. Um, but so, but that's like one of the only episodes where you actually see their home lives. But it's not even about what their lives are like outside of Cheers. It's still about Cheers. Well, it's you know it's funny. I did I just did an episode recently. By recently, I mean yesterday um, <laughs> on uh, on Law and Order SVU, which also oh premiered in 1999. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Wow very different television show but um it's it's interesting it's a double-edged sword the going home with the characters dynamic because if you don't use it well and i would argue that svu doesn't do it as well as it perhaps could yeah what it becomes is just sort of like oh okay you know um why can't i think of his name jesus christ stablers you know dealing with his garbage disposal and you're just like so cool like you just ate up like seven minutes of screen time on like him and his kids and it's just it doesn't do anything right yeah if you use it well like i think fraser does as obviously dissimilar as these two shows are it becomes so vitally important to the show and it and it can really sort of help your longevity people don't go to svu for the backstories really i mean ultimately they're going for the crimes and are going for the procedural crime solving component um and I would argue that people might not necessarily come to Frasier for the family dynamics, but it's what That's makes it special. It's what makes yeah, it special. it's what it's why they stay, and it's what makes it special. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just really interesting to sort of you know, ninety nine is a fulcrum point in television because it's the year that The Sopranos premieres, and Sex mm-hmm. and the City is also in its second season, and it's sort of this moment when you know 
anything becomes possible, right? Where TV writers watch The Sopranos and say, oh, wait a second, we can do that. And all of a sudden, you really have this sort of bifurcated moment in television where broadcast is still going strong and it will for for many years to come. But broadcast is still king. And you're seeing it in Frasier, you're seeing it in Seinfeld, you're seeing it in these shows that are obviously doing very, very well at the time. But um, they don't all stand the test of time like this yeah. show does. and. Like uh, like Cheers does or what have yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I I was pr- I was too young in 1999 to like know what was going on outside of like the big thing, like all of those. But I wouldn't even if I wasn't. I like I probably wouldn't remember like the other shows that were on the networks that aren't Frasier or SVU or Sopranos. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was. This is we're we're talking about a time. I mean, I was I was nineteen in ninety nine. Um, so you know, I was uh watching a fair amount of this, but not as much of it as uh as I mean, as I would come to watch more television as I got older and as I decided I wanted to do that with my life. But yeah, um, NBC must see TV. I mean, that was everything. I mean, that was the nineties. That was you know, it was untouched. Yeah, I I was nine. I was a little sheltered fourth grader. Um, and so I just watched what my parents watched and my parents watched the must see TV on NBC, but they didn't like friends because they were older. Like they were too old for friends. Like they, they didn't relate to that. So they, they only watched Frasier, Seinfeld and Will and Grace. They did not have the, the TV was not on when friends was on. So I was never a friends person because I never really mm. saw it. That's really you know? funny. Where, where yeah. are you from originally? Um, I, um, so in 99, I was in North Winston-Salem, North Carolina, but I'm originally from the Chicago area. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just, cause I think that, you know, obviously some shows speak to certain regions of the country as well. And I think, yeah. I think it's interesting how you can, you can certainly sense that. Yeah. Um, but. yeah, I, I, I did watch some friends. I would watch friends when, um, syndicated episodes on the WB, um, but my, I did not discover Friends through my parents. But that's definitely how I discovered Frasier. I would like sit down. So, and watch it. were you the WB was a little aged out of? So you're nine at this point, right? So you're yeah. not watching. You're not watching Dawson's. You're not watching Buffy. No. You're not watching those. Things. And did you watch those things later? Yeah. So I eventually watched. Got into Dawson's Creek when I. I mean, I became a teenager pretty soon after that, you know, so I got into Dawson's, but I wasn't super into Dawson's Creek um, because I just didn't start it from the beginning. I was an OC girl, die hard for the OC. Um, That was, that was like the first TV show that I really dived into to the point where I was like, why didn't I realize I wanted to like be an entertainment writer because I was on OC message boards like for hours every day. Like, of course this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so, but I would say like, even though I was very young, like that was uh, 1999 was probably, probably the year when I started to like my hobby became movies and TV. Um, because I just start. I think because of Titanic, I started to like get really into movies. Like I was just very fascinated by how it was made and all the movie stars. And that's kind of when I went out of my way to understand what was going on. Like I would cut out articles in the newspaper that were like about like any movies, very strange behavior. Um, Oh, I, I get that kid too. I I think that that's, yeah. It's cu- it's cute, but it sounds weird to say it now. Like, why would I cut out like some random article about James Cameron? Um, 
Whatever. No, I, 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 I had, I, I remember as a kid, I think I was probably 14, 13, 14, something like that. And I had like a binder of like all sorts of articles and shit. I'm just like, what, what was I going to do with that? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's just, anyway. but, we, um, there was just no other way to have it. But, it, but I guess um, all this to say, I was, so I went to Catholic school. My parents weren't super strict per se, but we just didn't have, we didn't, we only had the basic networks um, on our TV. We didn't, my parents didn't pay for cable until I was much older, um, probably not till like later high school. Um, So I, the, like the network shows were the only things that I could see. Like, even if I had wanted to watch The Sopranos or Sex in the City, I couldn't watch it um, because we just, we didn't have HBO. We didn't even have Disney Channel. Um, so I didn't, I like, this was before Disney Channel soon became part of the package, I think, like, but not until I was, like, too old to care about Disney Channel. So I didn't watch Lizzie McGuire, none of that stuff. Um, Interesting. Yeah. That's, a, that, that's, I mean, that was, a, that's, those were a big deal. Those were a big shows. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think like these NBC comedies that were syndicated on all these channels every single evening when I got home from school, like Frasier are the shows and Seinfeld are the shows that I loved because they were really the only shows that I had access to for a long time. Were you, were you watching SpongeBob in 99? No, I never, I never watched, we didn't have Nickelodeon. And I wasn't even, even when we had Nickelodeon, I was not allowed to watch Hey Arnold because a mom at my school said that they said the word crap on it. And so it was frowned upon for parents at my school to allow their children to watch SpongeBob. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I know. The kids who got to watch SpongeBob were like really edgy. So I, I have an OC question for you. I didn't watch the entirety of the OC, so I can't speak to it on on uh, that scale. But okay. um, Seth and Summer are another example of like not the leads being your main love story. Am I yeah. am I right in that in that oh, assumption? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because it felt like why can't I think of uh, Ben McKenzie's character's name? Oh, Ryan and Marissa. Right was that the other love story that we were supposed to be invested in? Yeah. And, and you kind of, I, can I spoil the OC? Is that absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it's pretty much common knowledge that Marissa Misha Barton's character dies in the season three finale. And the show was always very focused on Ryan and Marissa's love story, but Seth and Summer kind of helped propel it and make it to make it more interesting and more fun because Ryan and Marissa are both very dark characters. They're not fun at all. Like they're on Like I love, I love Ryan, but like, he's kind of a drag. They're both together. They're kind of a drag, almost like Sam Sam and Diane. Um, And I think they were aware of that, but the show Ryan and Marissa's relationship becomes more interesting after Marissa dies and Ryan's like kind of examining his relationship with her. That's interesting. I, I, cause what's, what I think is interesting is that Seth and Summer were kind of, they were almost like memeable before there were memes. Like they were, like they, they already had that because they were so different and yet so compatible. Um, it was just sort of, there was something there, obviously, in that chemistry between them. I also just remember that show just being um, 
talking about This American Life, talking about Death Cab for Cutie. Like, I just felt like that show was just very much on the pulse. Yeah. In a way that, to kind of circle back to what we were saying up top, do you feel like that hurts it now? Like, it was so in the moment and so zeitgeisty at the time. Does the show still hold up? Um, I actually, a shameless plug, I actually Please. talked to Adam Brody for The Ringer a few months ago. That's um, awesome. And we kind of touched on this. And I think that, I, I, I think that it's, it's almost the opposite of Frasier in that, like you said, like Death Cab for Cutie, This American Life, like all these references are so specific and so of the early 2000s. But I think it still works because it's so specific. Like it's not, because I, I don't know. Now I forget what I was saying and what you asked, but. No, no, no. Just that idea of, of, I just wonder if it, dates the show like i i i think that it works because we were around then and we understood it so now i know what i was gonna say so i don't i think that it dates the show but i think that the oc is so early 2000s um in its look already like the fashion and everything um that it works even for people who didn't grow up with it because it's kind of like a time capsule like for someone who's like a teenager now, like discovering the OC, I think they are engaged with it because it's so compelling to be like, they wore that, like they talked like this, like what, what is this song? Like, and you can kind of discover what that era was like through the OC more than any other show from that time. Um, So I think it works. What I, I talked to Adam Brody about, does Seth work? now and the answer is no he's actually pretty annoying and kind of a bad person um he like he's one of those people who who i I rewatched the oc in like may one of my early pandemic rewatches and seth is like (laughs) the kind of nerd who i don't want to say incel but he's the kind of nerd who thinks that he's being bullied, but it's actually like, he's actually just mean to everyone. So they're mean to him back like the Liz lemon in 30 rock plot. When she finds out that she was the bully. Um, it's almost like that. Have you seen uh, a promising young woman yet by any chance? No, unfortunately I've not. Um, I, I watched it last weekend. Um, and I only bring this up because Adam Brody is in it. Yes. And it now kind of almost feels like perhaps it's a wink at he, Seth. He, he he kind of mentioned that. He was like, I can't spoil the movie. And he also, when I talked to him, he hadn't even seen the full movie yet. But he was like, oh, like there's something, like I think you'll understand like with my role in this movie. Um, so I, I've been trying to see it, but. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think I, it's in a couple of weeks, I'm sure everyone yeah. will have seen it. But uh, it, it's, yeah, I, I know what you're saying about the the sort of you know the nice guy, the the idea of 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 the nice guy who's still kind of using his nice guyness to get what he wants from women. Yeah. So he's not like completely horrible, but yeah, yeah, yeah. rewatching it now as an adult woman, I'd be like, if this guy, he was like my heartthrob. Like I had Seth Cohen posters all over my bedroom and stuff. <laughs> Did not tell Adam Brody this, but you know. Um, <laughs> Like it's, it's just so, it was such a weird feeling to watch this as an adult and be like, 
fuck that guy. Like, no, like that's not romantic. I don't want that. He's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bummer. It's it's you know it's one of those things that you know we've we've gone through quite the four years uh, with the current administration, and I think that it has forced us to reevaluate all sorts of things about ourselves oh, yeah. as a as a country uh, and as as people, the way we treat other people, um, and it 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 has hurt some of my favorite pieces of pop culture in some ways. Um, I mean, a prime example is I just watched an episode of sex in the city for this mini series that I'm doing and fucking Donald Trump shows up and you're oh, just like, God. yeah. So, so, yeah, so you, what it is. yeah, you initially um, asked me to be on the podcast to talk about sex in the city. And I was I like, I know this sounds really weird, but I've never seen sex in the city. I've seen a few episodes. I've seen the episode where David Duchovny is naked. I think, is that right? Um, or there's an yes. episode with David Duchovny. I there think is, you yeah. maybe see his butt, which is probably why I, I watched it when I was a teenager. Um, which, it, like, I definitely like was like, I want to see David Duchovny's butt. I'm going to watch this. Um, Reasonable, but, yeah. Um, and I've seen the movies, um, but I was, I mean, when it premiered, I was like, a, I was a kid, and we didn't have HBO. And I have sisters. My older sister got into Sex and the City when she was in high school, but it was her thing. So, like, when you're sisters, it's very competitive. competitive. And she's like, well, this is my thing. This can't be your thing. This is my thing. So I made my thing the OC, and she had Sex and the City, but I never watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I feel like it's almost too late for me to watch it. I understand the references. I know who the characters are. I know who yeah. Big is. And is it Aiden, um, yeah. the other guy? Yeah. I, I know those arcs. I understand all of the characters or whatever, but I'm just like, I don't know if I would like it if I watched it now, because for I'll me, it's not nostalgia. I, I, I hear you. I think that if you were to watch it, you would probably have to kind of keep your head down for the first two seasons is my guess. Mm. The show gets exponentially richer and more complex from three on, but those first two seasons can be a little bit sort of, um, yeah, I don't know. They might be bumpy for you now, but I mean, I, I would also argue too that like it's it's a very quick binge. I mean, you'd watch it very quickly, I imagine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also understand that in these times right now, when maybe you just want to watch Frasier, is completely reasonable. Too. Yeah, it's uh, like I said. Like, how long have we been talking? Like, one of the first things I said was during the pandemic. It's really hard for me to watch, pay attention to something new. Um, so I'm just like, like, I only have the mental capacity for Frasier, Cheers, and like Bravo shows. It's just like Real Housewives and like Below Deck is like all I have the mental capacity for at this time. I don't know when that will change. I hope it's soon Which because I I need something that will, yeah, I need something that will enrich my life. Um, that's not just Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Frasier with me. Oh, thank you for having um, me. And, and I hope that you'll come back um, for, for something else in the future. I, we do movies and other TV shows and all that sort of stuff. Um, I so appreciate you, you coming on to talk. About oh, absolutely. I, you can probably tell that I like talking. I don't have many people that I talk to now, you know. <laughs> well, I would, I would we're, we, you know, uh, we're doing a, a Patreon right now. Um, on on 1989 films, which I know is that's the year I was born. <laughs> so I don't even know if you know any of the. I mean, I'm sure um, you've seen I mean, the movie. My, but, um, I, I will say, as much as I was limited on my TV, my parents were 
pretty good at like my film education. But my mom, my mom was like in her, God, in her twenties in the eighties. So like, those are her like movies. She she made me, she made me watch the big chill when I was seven. Um, So it's a great movie, but I knew you were bored by it. It was, I, no, I, I, I became like obsessed with it, even though I didn't understand it. Yeah. I, because I was like, I want to be like an adult and watch like the movies that adults like. Um, so that was like my, wow. she imprinted you with this, uh, this emo movie. <laughs> I, I, sh- I should have said this about myself in 1999, but if you asked me what my favorite movie was in 1999, I, a nine year old probably would have said the big show. <laughs> that's that's volume about you, Carrie. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, w- there's also, there's tons of, uh, I mean, there's, we're, d- we're doing episodes on music as well. And so whatever it cool. is, uh, yeah. else to, to, bring you back for but thank you again for for coming on to talk oh yeah no thank you so much this is genuinely been it's nice to have a new thing to break up my day (laughs) i i hear you believe me that's this podcast is a a godsend when it comes to a, a pandemic one last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.